Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Krista McCann, an artist, art teacher, and professional photographer whose battles and hardships have led to courage and blessings through a journey of faith. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. My guest is Krista McCann, who is an art teacher in the public school system and an adjunct art professor at Oklahoma State University. She's also the owner of Krista McCann Art and Photography, which features her original work and photos. You can find out more by visiting her website, kristacreates.com. 2020 marked a year of hardship for Krista. It required her to step out of the boat and face many of her fears, divorce, moving, a new job, and a battle with cancer, all during a global pandemic, were challenges that gave her the courage to create a life she's always wanted and empowered her to embrace her art like never before. Krista's journey is one of faith. It has been a reminder of God's great love for her and his plan for her life. She's hopeful that it will allow her to be a testimony and a blessing to others. Krista, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. And we've known each other for a few years. We got to know each other first at the school where both my wife and you were teaching. She was teaching music and you were teaching art. And I just knew you as this really energetic, creative, and fun person. And so here you are on the show. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Well, Krista, as you may know, we start each episode with a kickoff question. So you've chosen yours, and I'll read that off to you, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us from there. Okay. Okay. So Krista, when did you know that you wanted to be doing what you're doing today? Well, um, the kind of the longer version of that is um, that's not what I started out in college. And I'm sure many of us can say the same thing. That's not what we planned on doing. Um, And through my coursework uh, at Southern Nazarene University, I ended up uh, having to do a project and I started out in child welfare is what I thought I was going to be and do. Um, And so I did an interview with um, a, a school counselor who used art therapy as part of her practice. And I thought, wow, that's it. That's what I want to do. Um, and so I switched some things around, you know, I'd always done art because that's just who I am and I loved it. And so I switched it around so that it could be, um, my major as an art educator, um, while I worked on my master's in counseling, um, didn't complete my master's. Some other things uh, happened during that time that caused me to stop, but I had found a job teaching art and discovered that I loved that, that that was where I was supposed to be. And so the short version of it now, I really can't imagine doing anything else. You know, I mean, it's, I miss it when I'm not, um, I love it when I'm doing it. Uh, I love working with the kids. They crack me up every day. You know, I love seeing what they make. And so it's, it's a good place. I always say that a bad day in the art room is still better than a good day anywhere else. So. Well, that's awesome, Krista. So what is it about art that inspires you, moves you? Uh, when did you when did you find out that there was something about art and creating that, uh, that hooked you? Sure. 
I have pictures um, of my family that had taken uh, when I was probably four years old or younger, uh, drawing with, you know, a, a pencil on the back of uh, the cardboard from my grandmother's carton of cigarettes. <laughs> you know, she was a child of the thirties. And so you recycled everything, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, we recycled paper and cardboard. And, and so that's what scrap paper we drew on out on her farm. And so I've got uh, old drawings of that. Everyone in my family is creative in some way. Um, you know, my brother uh, contemplated um, architecture. You know, he's great at drawing, um, is a musician. You know, my dad was a woodworker. My mom paints, um, you know, and does lots of intricate beadwork. My grandmother was a seamstress. I mean, everybody did something in their own right. And so it was highly encouraged in my family. Um, you know, everything we did, art was embraced. It was a part of pretty much everything in our household. And so, so my family, like I said, it was a part of our household and our family. And so birthday presents, Christmas presents, they were all homemade. That was, that was what we did. And so it just, like I said, was very much a part of who I was um, from the get-go. And so it just, I mean, it just all fell into place. And so it was interesting to discover, to get to be what I wanted to be, I had to pursue art because you know, you grow up thinking, well, there's no money in art. I'm not going to choose art as a career. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do a helping profession. Um, and lo and behold, like I said, art is what got me there. So that's awesome. I love it. And that's a wonderful story just right there. And you have more to share with us. And there's so many of our listeners that are creative and, and in, either in their leadership role or, or in their parenting role or, or with actual paint and written words and music, dance, et cetera. Um, when were you able to say yes to art as a profession? Because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that maybe there was this struggle. Like you said, there were, maybe there's not any money in this thing. The messages that society tells us, and sometimes the market tells us too. How did you, how did you come to that point where you said, you know what, I'm going with it. I'm going to make money doing art. Yeah. Well, um, you know, like I said, even though it was always a part of my childhood and my upbringing, it was never a part of what my family used to make money. Okay. The aside of, of my grandmother, like I said, she was a seamstress for, you know, a living, um, but that was, you know, a different era and everything also. Um, you know, we, we grew up, you know, your average kind of middle-class family. We didn't really do many vacations. We didn't eat out. We didn't have, you know, a lot of the luxuries that um, some of my friends did. And so, you know, you went to school because you were going to get educated so that you could get a great job so that you could make money and that kind of stuff. And it just never really, you know, art wasn't the top of the list of jobs that brought in a lot of money. Um, and so, like I said, whenever I started school, although child welfare isn't one that makes money either, but that's, that's where my heart <laughs> was, you know, yeah, right. Uh. that I wanted to do something, you know, that would make a difference that would make an impact. And um, like I said, started that um, whenever I started my degree, um, my master's, uh, that was when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I stopped. Um, I stopped working on my master's at that time. Um, I was teaching and uh, like I said, discovered that I loved it. Um, I ended up at a school that um, had some trouble with their administration. And so I left. Um, I had worked at Integris uh, for a long time. So overall, I was at Integris for uh, about 15 years and it paid wonderful. And, and so it was great doing a job where you <laughs> were well compensated, um, but it didn't have the same perks 
that, you know, teaching did um, as far as, you know, what makes your heart fill, you know, and, and, and everything. So when the opportunity came up to go back into the classroom, uh, it came with a pay cut, but like I said, but now I can say I've done a job for money and I've done a job because I love it. And I feel like I'm making a difference. And, you know, I encourage my own kids choose one that you love because that makes all the difference. So, you know, the money stuff works out. There will always be struggles in money. <laughs> there will always be, um, you know, provision. So just do what you love. That's what, that's what matters most. Oh, I love that you're in the classroom, Krista, saying these things to young people while they're creating. Um, and I know you pretty well from, from following along on social media and back when we first met. And you're such a supportive and encouraging person to have uh, in anyone's life, and especially young people. And I can testify to that with our own kids. You know, we have two daughters, and Amy and Danielle um, have both been impacted, uh, and, and so by you and by art and creativity, because similar to your family, we have a bunch of creatives in ours, um, singers and songwriters and and uh, word nerds, as I call myself, poets, <laughs> and, uh, and people that care, you know, people that care about others and, and care about the world at large. So as you are, uh, you've entered back into the classroom where you kind of left off here, and you're impacting kids and speaking to your heart, what is it about working with young people in combination with art and creativity that really moves you? Yeah, um, you know, there's so many parts about it that I like. Um, I have, I have what I love, you know, that makes me happy. Um, and part of that is just the connections with the kids. Uh, currently, uh, I'm working with uh, middle level kids, and they're just a riot. You know, I love talking with them. I love um, <laughs> just the the funny things that they say and the conversations that we have because they're right on that cusp of knowing what they might want to be, you know, and, you know, how art might impact that, because it's fun to show them that, you know, there's so many careers that creative thinking and creative problem solving are just crucial in, and that doesn't have anything to do with whether you can draw or not, but it does have to do with um, being open to creativity, and um, so, you know, I like that a lot. Another <clears throat> thing that is really important to me for the student's sake also um, is talking about art. Uh, we, you know, I teach the kids how to do critiques and we critique famous artwork, we critique our own artwork. And, uh, you know, I explained to them that it's important for us to learn how to speak to one another respectfully um, and in an educated manner. Um, and when, especially when we're vulnerable about something or when we have strong opinions about something um, that we can still have those conversations um, without getting um, angry or upset or um, you know shutting down. And so art is just the perfect avenue for that. And you know, we talk about how there's adults that can't do that. You know, you talk about politics, you talk about religion, you know, you watch Facebook. <laughs> right. And you see just these people getting immediately upset. Yeah. And, and it's because of something that they feel strongly about. Well, art has that ability also. And so, um, like I said, it's one of my favorite, favorite things to do with kids of all age levels. Um, you know, I've done it with little kids. I've done it up to the college kids that I work with is, 
we talk about the art and we are vulnerable because it's our art, what we've made, we're putting ourselves on the page. Um, and so we talk about why we were inspired to do this, you know, what led us to make the decisions we made. Um, but then also we're ready to listen to some feedback from other people because we can't grow unless we have other input. You know, I mean, we, we will stay on the same path and who knows, you know, what we might, opportunities we might, meet, might be missing if we're not open to other ways of doing things. You know, I tell the kids, you don't have to accept what they say and do the changes that they suggest, but you know, how will you know what options are available to you if you don't listen? So. Yeah. And all of those skills and competencies, if you want to call them those that you just described, those are employable skills in today's yeah. world that you just mentioned, because I'm around a lot of employers, you know, in the work that I do and, and talent acquisition and things like this as well. And they're looking for people that can get along yes. with each other in the workplace and can take feedback. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the word feedback is even a, a no-no, you know, right. around the workplace, but it's actually required. Uh, and having the resilience and the strength of self and that identity that you're helping to bolster and provide that resiliency that's what a benefit to those uh, young people as they grow into adults and enter the workforce and society at large, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Krista, we've got many other areas that I wanted to touch on. So I'm really curious about the struggles that you went through in 2020, as well as the art and photography that you're doing through the website that you've launched. So you can pick a path, choose your own adventure here. I wanted to offer you the, to oppor the opportunity to, if you wanted to dive into the challenge, some of the challenges of the last year and sort of start weaving into the role that maybe art played through this, but however you'd like to proceed. Sure. Um, real quick, I am going to say the, <laughs> the dog has decided that this is the perfect time to chew a bone. So if <laughs> here and in the background and you need me to take it away from her, I will. But dog's welcome. I think that'll be good for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. So if you hear something gnawing in the background, it's a dog comfortably chewing on a bone. She's <laughs> <laughs> not barking. So that's a benefit. Um, yeah. 2020, like I said, was, um, it, it took me by surprise. Um, I, you know, just in a nutshell, uh, I lived in Stillwater um, with my husband and his two daughters for uh, 12 years. Um, both girls are phenomenal, amazing young women. Uh, one just graduated um, from University of Nebraska um, and is working in Omaha. So she's living the dream up there. Um, cold, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's advancing, you know, in, in her career rapidly up there. So that's exciting. Uh, the other one is a sophomore at... Um, Missouri State University in Springfield. So um, like I said, she's uh, studying psychology. So they are <clears throat> amazing people. Um, I am fortunate to have them in my life. So uh, through some, some personal uh, struggles, uh, my husband decided that uh, living apart would be better. Um, not something I really agreed with, but um, there are some things that don't require mutual agreement, you know, <laughs> and when one person says, you know, this isn't working for me, then it, you know, it inevitably isn't working for both. And so, uh, it's still amicable. He's an amazing person. Um, you know, we still communicate and I'm, like I said, I'm thankful that his daughters, uh, I call my daughters are still very much a part of my life. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, next weekend, uh, the oldest and I are headed to Galveston to the beach for spring break. So, oh, wow. I'm jealous. 
<laughs> that sounds amazing. So I'm looking for a little bit of warm weather. Just the sign that spring is around the corner would be a blessing. So anyway. Oh, yes. So, um, like I said, but that really caught me off guard. Um, and, you know, although I get emotional, so I'm, I try my best to control my, the, the pitch of my voice and everything. But um, although, you know, I, I am a person of faith and I believe God has a plan. Um, I also believed that, that was my plan. So when that changed, I was really, uh, like I said, thrown off guard and thought, wow, what next? You know, and it, it didn't necessarily shake my faith a long time ago because um, God told me a long time ago that no matter what, no matter through health, through jobs, through sickness, through family, through any of this kind of stuff, I'm okay. You know, I, I've got him, I'm okay. I did not expect to see all of those things stripped away in one year. <laughs> um, but that is how I felt, you know, and um, I threw myself into uh, the things that were around me at the time. And uh, that was my work um, at school as also uh, working out at the gym. And um, so, you know, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Uh, we were trying to get ourselves both uh, situated to where we would be most successful single, uh, financially and with our house and everything. So like I said, amicable, although, um, awkward and I don't know, just new territory at times, you know, that we were both struggling to find our way through, um, without, you know, you know, increasing the hurt on either person's part. Um, so I moved out in, uh, June and, uh, that, I thought I had pulled a back muscle and went to the doctor because I couldn't get it to go away. Lo and behold, after some scans, it showed um, a cantaloupe-sized tumor um, on my kidney. And so, um, blessing, I guess, you know, to find that um, because I obviously had no idea that um, I had lymphoma. Um, I had moved down. I was living with my mother in the meantime while searching for a house. Uh, decided to put the house hunt on hold and deal with this while living at my mom's house. Um, and that is a, a, a strange voyage to go back from being the mother of your house to being with your mother again. So <laughs> yes, I bet it is. <laughs> Going back into some of those roles and stuff um, was, was interesting. I'm super thankful for my mom. Uh, my mom is also a cancer survivor. She's a breast cancer survivor. And so she had a lot of uh, knowledge and experience of chemo and radiation and the whole process of it. So it's always interesting to look back at hindsight to see um, how God orchest orchestrates things. Um, but like I said, I'm thankful because I don't think where I was would have been the best place to deal with this um, battle. I think living with my mom uh, and back here by my doctors at um, St. Anthony's um, was the best place for me. And so, yeah, so my summer started with um, me allowing my best friend's sons, um, I count as my nephews, uh, allowing them to shave my head. So <laughs> we started with a mohawk and <laughs> I remember that. Started, yeah. <laughs> So that was interesting. And then took it all the way down to nothing. So, cause the chemo was making it fall out rapidly. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, the doctor agreed. I sailed through chemo. I'm thankful for the physicians that I had. Um, phenomenal. The, the healthcare workers that I worked with, uh, were unbelievable. 
it was hard because, you know, during COVID, you know, going on, I wasn't allowed to have any visitors with me um, at any of my appointments, um, any of my chemo sessions or radiation treatments. Uh, like I said, you had to do it all on your own. So that was tough. Um, but like I said, the nurses that were there and the radiation therapists that I saw, first class people. I mean, I cannot sing their praises enough. They are amazing, amazing people. Um, so I'm thankful for them through all that, trying to find a job. Uh, so I'm thankful that um, I found a wonderful, wonderful school district to work with and this brand new school opened up. Um, I could not be uh, at a more compassionate, uh, more generous and more kind um, school and the people that I work with and the students and the families um, were supportive through this whole thing with me. You know, I had seven wigs and so I wore them different. So the kids always wanted to know which wig was going to be in art the next day. So yeah, you got to be bald. You might as well have fun with it. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that in a nutshell was kind of how all of that was a very large nutshell is how all that uh, shook out, you know? For sure. And, and, and those that are listening, I'm sure are, if, if they're not as moved as I am, I don't know how. Um, and I've been following along, but to hear it all together, Krista, like you're sharing it now, that's so much to happen over one year. And then, like you said, throw on top of that, the pandemic right. which has rattled everyone in the world yeah. amidst all of those other changes. So one of the things, of course, as you keep mentioning, is your faith that keeps you grounded. What role does faith play? Um over and over throughout your life and helping you to get through challenging times, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe that God talks to us in ways that we will listen. Um, and sometimes I feel like saying, I'm listening. <laughs> Did we yeah. change the channel? <laughs> so, um, but honestly, I mean, that, that's true for me. I wish, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I was a musical person, but I am not. I am the person who has to choose you either clap or you sing in church because I can't do both. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean music doesn't speak to me. Uh, music is absolutely something that restores my soul. Um, you know, I'll sing loudly in the car when nobody's with me. <laughs> um, and there have been just song after song after song that um, upheld me through this entire year. And it would be the same message over and over. And in the beginning, uh, through through the beginning of the divorce stuff, it was um, all about uh, getting out of the boat, uh, the faith to be out of the boat, about waves overtaking us, about... Um, you know, if grace is an ocean, I'm still sinking. You know, I mean, just so many song after song after song about um, how our faith uh, is intertwined with this symbol of um, the ocean, the sea, the water, the waves. Um, and so it was kind of ironic on a, a, a trip that uh, my best friend and I went down to Texas for another friend's uh, mother's funeral. Um, we stopped at Bucky's because of course you stop at Bucky's on your way to Texas. Everyone does, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and I found this little bitty ring, a little silver ring that is in the shape of a wave. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to have it. And so, um, that was, uh, right around the time, like I said, when I, uh, had taken off my wedding ring and that was an odd feeling for somebody who had, you know, not taken it off in 12 years. So to play, put that ring in its place, just to remind me that, um, you know, I may be shipwrecked now and, and waves keep overtaking me, but 
they're getting fewer and far between. I'm <laughs> I'm able to, you know, uh, tread water a little bit longer each time, you know, I'm, 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 I'm okay. So I'm, I asked, you know, it was one of the DJs one time on the radio said, uh, people pray for growth, you know, but then, um, they're upset when it starts to rain. Um, but what if that rain is what we need for the, you know, the seed to grow. And I was like, that's true. I don't want to be somebody who is, um, angry at what God has given me because I'll tell you what, I've, I've grown more in this year that I ever would have thought possible. So, um, and like I said, I, it's, it's interesting because yeah, you get sometimes in those places in life where everything is, um, stagnant, everything is mellow, everything is just fine. You know, and you, you hear that mean, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. Whatever. Yeah. I don't want to be just fine. You know, I, I've been just fine. I want to be great. You know, I want to be mm-hmm. better. And sometimes that's the lows go with that too. And, and I get that, but, um, I don't want to complain because I've asked for more and then I get more. It just doesn't look like what I thought it would. So <laughs> yeah, but the journey, like I said, the process of it all, um, you'll learn a lot about yourself through this kind of stuff. So absolutely. And I can tell that you have, thanks for going there and, and sharing so vulnerably and honestly. Um, a big part of the show, Krista, is so that others will be inspired. Uh, it's a little bit about my business, but it's mostly about conversations with real people in our community who are living real lives yeah. uh, and doing real work. And this is what it looks and sounds like. So I really thank you for going there. Sure. I've always been an open book. So yeah. sometimes uh, I end up putting my foot in my mouth, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think you have, just let me know. And, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so I do want to ask you though, too, Krista, because. Uh, you've got a lot of art that you're creating. And I've seen so many incredible works uh, through Facebook and social media, and then on your website. And so I'm curious, I just want to hear all about it. What's going on at uh, KristaCreates.com? Well, it started out with, um, I mean, like I said, I've always done art. I've always, in college, uh, when you are taking art as a, as a degree, you have to choose a specialty. And so um, I chose a double specialty in uh, ceramics and in watercolor. Um, so watercolor has always been one of my favorite mediums. It's easy to do at home. Um, clay, a little bit messier, harder to do at home, better suited for a studio. And so I've always done painting and stuff. Um, those got packed up whenever I was moving. And so when I'm at my mom's and like I said, things are struggling, art's always been a way of expression, you know, and, and I think that's easy for people to understand, you know, that you can express your feelings and your thoughts through art. Um, and for artists or people who do that anyway, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, essential, you know? And so, um, I grabbed some paints and some canvases, uh, and through the cancer stuff, I started losing the ability to do some of the things that I had been doing for mental health, you know, getting outside and exercising and walking part of it. It was getting too hot in summer, but also, I mean, COVID. So you're trying to not be out in public. And then I just, I didn't have the strength for it. So with chemo, I just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't keep up with the schedule that I had. Um, so at my mother's house, she's got an amazing backyard. It's gorgeous. And so she's got a back deck. And so I put the easel out there in the shade, um, threw a canvas out there and took some paint and paint. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I started something and I wasn't really happy with it. And so I just kind of scribbled over it with some more paint. And then 
uh, I had a, an art teacher, um, she teaches or just, she, she's still at Cameron University in Lawton, um, but she taught at Quartz Mountain uh, for art educators when I went to Oklahoma Fall Art Institute. And we did a project in chalk where she um, had us draw our picture in chalk, but then you erase it, um, like completely with an eraser, erase everything you put on the paper. And it leaves kind of an after image there draw it again, erase it again, draw it again, erase it again. So four times over, you've drawn this picture and you've erased it and it has left the most beautiful translucent layers. Um, but it's, you know, it's a stressful and, and frustrating uh, thing to have this beautiful work of art and then be told, no, erase it. And I just, I remembered her words during, you know, when I'm out there on this canvas and I'm like, you know what? Okay. So I took a spray bottle and I just hosed down my painting and I watched it all trickle down and that alone was pretty cathartic to me. Just, you know, I've always been a planner, you know, you plan this, you plan that I've got um, a course laid out in my mind of where my life is going to be. And, you know, all of that stuff from, you know, our next family vacation to what I'm getting the kids for Christmas gifts to, you know, I mean, just everything you've got it all mapped out from, you know, from now till who knows when. And like I said, my life had taken a hard left and it was not by any plan of mine. And so I saw the symbolism in that of just letting go of the control of the painting, uh, hose it down and just trust the process. Um, and so, you know, I, I walked away to this dripping wet painting out on the back patio and, you know, 15 minutes was all I could stand anyway. And I went inside, I went back out the next day and, you know, some of what I had was still there. Some wasn't. So I started painting a new layer sprayed it down. I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm trusting this process. We're going to see what evolves and just walked away. And so that began my um, style during chemo is, you know, each day I'd go outside for a few minutes, um, get my fresh air. It's all I could handle, did my painting and I go back inside back to a recliner, you know? <laughs> and um, after doing that four or five times, you know, there began to be artwork that spoke to me, you know, images that spoke to me, usually flowers. Um, I'm always moved by nature. Um, you know, God has got some pretty amazing things in the garden. And so, yeah, so that's how some of my paintings evolved. A lot of memories of childhood and my grandmother's garden. And so that just that whole time during chemo and during the summer of not having anywhere to go because you weren't really allowed to go anywhere, especially when you're a chemo patient. Um, not having the strength to go anywhere, not having to go to work. You know, I just really had the opportunity to 100% sink myself into this, even though it was just 15 minutes at a time. And uh, so, like I said, I really was able to reconnect with some of that. As an art teacher, you usually create projects, uh, examples for your kids, but we don't often get the opportunity to create our own art. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of teachers, whatever it is that they, you know, whatever hobby they engage in. And so it was um, just a blessing to be able to do that for myself, you know, and not for uh, a sample of a, a, an art project, an art assignment. Um, and so when school started back up, um, you know, I'm kind of still dealing with the new schedule of an empty house. Um, and so I thought, you know, I still want that to be a part of this healing process for me. And so I make sure to save time, um, either, you know, a weeknight or a weekend where I still have a chance to, uh, you know, play and paint some and see what happens. So. Yeah. 
and, and with these projects and these uh, that you're doing for yourself, they're also for others, right? So are, some of this art is for yes. sale, right? That you're doing. Yes. <laughs> you it know, is. The, okay. <laughs> I and have then, it on my website. So that's been a fun thing. That was something I bought myself for my birthday was a oh, website. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, a lot. I started getting a lot of feedback from friends and I thought, well, um, you know, instead of doing the originals constantly and then being out of them, this uh, website with art storefronts um, is an amazing opportunity and they work with a fulfillment center. And so they print your images on canvas or whatever the people choose, the customer choose, if they choose, you know, paper or photo paper or metal print or acrylic, you know, they'll print it on whatever you want. And so that's kind of a neat opportunity that way too. So, yeah. It really is. And, and I've said the website a couple of times, but I'm going to drop uh, that link and any other links and contact info um, in the show notes. So those that are listening now, uh, check the show notes. So that's, you can click below the episode and, and look for links and you'll find ways to get in touch with, with Krista and, and look at her art and find something good for yourself to pick out. Because now you know the story behind a lot of her work. And that's really meaningful. When you can know the, the story behind an artist's work, I mean, at least for me, it just, it makes me want to go to your site right now and go pick something up. So I'm seeing a spot right here in my office at the time of this interview. <laughs> I think it would fit right there. And Amy can help me pick that out, I bet. So, well, Krista, you also have photography. That's a big part of your life. So tell us a little bit about photography and, and, and what you're doing with it. And, and I guess what sure. it means to you. Yeah, um, that was my dad's thing. You know, my dad was uh, big into photography. Uh, I remember pictures when he served in um, Vietnam. He uh, was in the Navy, but he flew in planes. And so he had lots of pictures where he was over the ocean and he would take pictures of submarines and stuff like that. And I always thought that was neat. Growing up, I had one of those little Kodak Instamatic cameras, you know, that had the oh, yeah. cube, you know, you'd put on the top for the flash and stuff. <laughs> And, you know, as I got older, my dad would, you know, get me a little bit nicer camera, a little bit nicer camera, a little bit nicer. Um, and there would be times that, um, you know, it'd be heat lightning, you know, Oklahoma, you know, we, we know what heat lightning is in the summertime where it's just up in the sky and it just lights up the sky with these beautiful rolling lightning. Um, although there's no storm going on. And so my dad and I would go out to backcountry roads where it was pitch black and there weren't any city lights and take pictures, you know, he'd set up a tripod and stand on top of the car sometimes, you know, just to get above, you know, any horizon line or signs or any of that kind of stuff that might be blocking it. And, and we'd take pictures of the sky. And always thought that was cool. And um, so that was kind of where that love started. And, uh, you know, I had always, you know, had fun taking pictures of, you know, odd little things and stuff. It used to be expensive when it was digital. <laughs> I mean, when it was uh, not before it was digital, you know, when right. you had it sure was. Yeah. And then if, if you didn't get the image right, you know, through your viewfinder and you didn't have the preview image and all that, and you're like, well, yeah. I missed, missed that moment, you know, because you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, after college, you know, sinking a bunch of money, which felt like, you know, then a bunch of money into it, my first digital camera and everything was uh, pretty crazy, uh, but a blessing in film developing. So, <laughs> right. But, uh, so I, you know, I've been on a lot of missions trips with church groups and stuff and always went as the team photographer. Um, I love 
photos that tell a story. And, um, you know, part of that uh, has surfaced through that, through the trips that I've taken. Um, I've had the opportunity to go on international trips with um, my former school in Stillwater and same, take lots of photos of um, places over in Europe and just amazing things, you know, things that I never thought I would see. Um, but then also that has surfaced in my love of yearbook with students. And so um, that is, although I teach art, um, I've had, you know, 12 years of teaching yearbook also. And, uh, you know, teaching kids how to take pictures and um, how to tell a story through their images. And so that's been kind of fun. And so it surfaces in strange, funny ways for me, you know, during our snow days, um, I bought one of those little teeny tiny clip-on, like 20 bucks on Amazon, little teeny tiny macro clip-on lenses that goes on your uh, iPhone, you know, and so I used it to take uh, macro pictures of the snowflakes um, during snow days when you're stuck here at the house, it's too deep to even get the car out. Um, so it's been fun. Like I said, it's, it's a journey. I've used it uh, in taking pictures of people. You know, I've done newborns, I've done seniors, I've done families, I've done children, you know, all such. I love it. Um, I love landscape photography also. Like I said, there's not really any kind of photography that um, I probably haven't tried or, or wouldn't try. So I, I love it all. Yeah. And this is the photography that you take. I know you do some for fun and personal and enjoyment and then some for teaching. Yeah. Uh, and then you sell some as well. Is, is that through the same website? Yes, it is through the same website. Okay. Uh, I love probably if I had to take my pick of things that I love taking pictures of, it's old barns. Mm. Um, like I said, I love photos that tell a story. And I feel like old barns just have a million stories to tell. You know, they have weathered time and time. Um, so, you know, I, that's one of the things that I've told myself is on my bucket list. I know that they do old barn tours somewhere and I'm going to find one of those and I'm going to take one and take my camera and go do that. But, um, I, you know, my friends are not surprised. My daughters are not surprised when I, we're driving on the road. I'm like, oh, there's a barn. We got to find how to get to it. <laughs> so we'll take a, a quick detour just so that I can get a picture of this old barn and the lighting and whatever fields are around it. Um, a lot of times I, I turn those into paintings later. And so you'll see that on the website. Also, a lot of my watercolor series evolve around some barns. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of photos of that too. And then just different, um, sometimes more iconic places, um, starting a, a series of that, of some of the things that are here local, you know, um, there's been talk about Yukon tearing down one of their uh, flour mills and stuff. And so that's, been some that I've been on particular days where the lighting is just right, heading out there, trying to capture the perfect shot of it before it's gone. So some of those things, like I said, anything that has um, heartstrings for somebody, you know, that, you know, tells a story. I think those are the cool kind of photos to have. Yeah. Well, that's really awesome. So in, uh, in our last couple of minutes, Krista, is there anything else? Sometimes folks may have some parting words or uh, you know, a message for the moment. Does anything come to mind that you want to, to leave our listeners with today? Oh, goodness. I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I believe God answers prayers. I believe they don't always look like uh, what we think they will. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, for those who are familiar with Life Church is where um, I went in uh, Stillwater and Pastor Craig did a series on dangerous prayers to pray. And one of them was break me. And it was about, um, you know, how to, to, to be more connected to God and how to live a fuller life. Um, and just, you know, to experience that in, you know, the utmost ability that you could. And I, I weighed on that over and over for a few months. 
and finally just went, yeah, I remember a time in my life of being on fire for God. And I want that. And I felt like I was doing everything right, leading a life group, you know, going to church, all the things that I felt like I should be doing, but I still felt like I missed that fire in your, you know, inside of you. And I thought, okay, I know it is one of those dangerous prayers to pray and I'm going to pray it. And that was the beginning of everything. And I'm not saying that if you pray that that God will, um, you know, tear your life apart. Like I feel like he did. (laughs) I don't blame him for that. But, um, like I said, the opportunities I've had for growth personally and spiritually and with my friends and my family, and even professionally, I am in a place that I never thought I would be. Um, it's, there are parts of it that I'm not comfortable with yet. You know, there are parts of it that, um, I would prefer the old life, but, (laughs) but knowing what I know now and having experienced what I've experienced, I wouldn't trade that. So hang in there. You know, like I said, look for the things that speak to you in whatever way, shape and form that is, whether it's songs, whether it's art, whether it's people, you know, whatever that is and hold on to those. And, um, yeah, just trust the process. You know, there's, there's purpose. Things are happening for reasons. Yeah. That's a powerful word. I think we'll just leave it there. Krista McCann. Thank you for being my guest on the show. Thank you. You've been listening to the live your purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.